Hey everybody, welcome to episode 71 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa, joined on the phone from St. Louis by track wrestling rankings maven David Mirakatani. Welcome back, David. Thank you, Andy. Maven is secondary to birthday guy, so happy happy belated 42nd birthday, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Uh, got a chance to spend the weekend out at Pac-12 Championships. Spent my entire birthday by myself, uh, with the exception of maybe a half hour in Jim Zaleski's office on Monday. But uh, lots of love from the wrestling community through social media. So it's a good birthday. Lee Pritz and those guys, uh, I spoke to Lee, and he was super, super impressed with uh, your quality of work. And your attention to detail and just everything. He, he actually called me last night just to tell me that. So I wanted to pass that along to you as well. Well, it's uh, good to hear. I, I enjoyed I myself. Uh, but... It was a lot of fun being around uh, the Sun Devils over the course of uh, about a five, six-day period. Uh, got a chance to go down to Arizona State and, and spend a couple days uh, on campus, one day on campus there with uh, – Lee Pritz and Zeke Jones. Uh, Lee showed me around. We went around uh, campus on uh, their uh, tricked-out uh, Sun Devil golf cart. Um, <laughs> I've ridden in that thing. That's fun. It's uh, <laughs> it's a first-class ride going around campus on that thing, all decked out, leather seats, uh, all sorts of wrestling branding all over on it. And uh, No, it's just a lot of fun being down there and, and around their team. Fun group of guys. The administration is all in on wrestling. It's really cool to see. I shouldn't say all in on wrestling. They're all in on on athletics across the board. Uh, you know, you see in this day and age, so many schools are cutting back on the amount of uh, varsity programs that they have. Their their uh, answer to uh, growing revenue in a, in a lot of companies across the country, not just uh, athletic departments, but uh, uh, there. You know, you see so many. Um, programs that are downsizing and Arizona State's going in the other direction they're finding ways to uh, raise revenue a lot of uh, things that are going on right now uh, new facilities in the works uh, in the four years that athletic director Ray Anderson's been there they've gone from 22 varsity athletic programs to 26 you know you think back to 10 years ago when they dropped wrestling for about three days before uh uh, Art Martori and company raised the funds to bring it back. Uh, they also dropped men's tennis, and, and they brought men's tennis back. Um, so that's it's been really cool to see the commitment uh, that they have to Olympic sports. You just don't hear, at least I haven't heard of a lot of athletic directors talk about their desire to have Olympians. You know, they uh, Ray Anderson down there has talked about wanting to have Olympians. So it's not just about the four and five years that uh, – you know, those athletes are with the Sun Devils. It's beyond. And uh, so so it's been really cool to see and uh, really enjoyed my time uh, around Zeke Jones and Lee Pritz, Chris Pendleton, all the wrestlers, their support staff. Uh, so I'm really grateful for the opportunity that they gave us to, to come uh, along with them to the Pac-12 championships. And certainly it was uh, always good to be in a arena for the postseason in college wrestling. So. That was a blast. Well, you killed it. I think everybody that hasn't had a chance to read or listen or watch those interviews should. Um, Arizona State, you know, it's interesting. Not, you know, Zeke's a super high-profile hire, and then 
you know, Bobby Hurley and Herman Edwards, you know, they're they're trying to do big things there with sports and the Olympic part of it, like you're saying, it's you know, it's that's really impressive and it and the West Coast needs more programs and you know, that that's a really good fact that, you know, they're they're planning on not only being there but being competitive and, and, and wrestling for titles. Yeah, you're absolutely I right. I mean that, there, that so. that's one of the things that uh Got a chance to talk to some coaches out there. Uh, the Pac-12 is in an interesting position right now with five teams. Uh, after the loss of Boise State, they've used up one year of the, the two-year exemption from the NCAA as far as automatic qualifiers goes. Uh, but what does the future hold there, whether they you know go out and find a six-team as a, an affiliate, uh, whether they look to add maybe two or three more affiliates, or whether, uh, you know, one of the things that they talked about out there, the coaches uh, have discussed the potential of a uh, super qualifier with the Pac- or with Pac-12 and the Big 12, you know, maybe bringing 17, 18 teams together uh, for something like that. And what, what would that look like? So it uh, is certainly a interesting time for the Pac-12 conference and, and wrestling out west in general. You know, we, we talk about certain things off the air, and so this is a question I hadn't thought of, but why is Fresno State not in the Pac-12? I mean, I'm sure there's a good reason, but just on the surface, geographically, it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. my understanding from, from what I've been told is that, uh, uh, that Fresno State initially wanted to be part of the Pac-12, but the Pac-12, uh, a lot of those member institutions are set on – not having more affiliates than member institutions. So, and, and, and I don't know that this is necessarily the opinion. This is not the, the opinion of the wrestling programs in that conference. They would love to see it be a, an eight team conference. They would lo- like to go out and get three more affiliates. But I think when, when you're looking at uh, uh, hanging on to the PAC 12 brand and, and wanting to, uh, you know, the pride that that conference has, the history and tradition that that conference has, you know, I, I'm not sure that they necessarily want to see five affiliate members and only three uh, mem- member institutions. And so so I think uh, when, when they were at six uh, is about the time that, that Fresno State was looking for a home. Now, uh, when they went to, when they went to five, then I think there was a push to get Fresno State. But uh, but uh you know, the toothpaste was already out of the tube at that yeah. point with them and in, in the Big 12. And that, that's my understanding of the way that it went down. But I, I'm kind of like you, with you. I was I was curious myself why that wouldn't – why the Fresno State wouldn't have stayed in the Pac-12 just geographically uh, and also uh, the fit from a wrestling standpoint. But, uh, yeah, well, it's – The timing is a great explanation. I remember when Missouri – was leave, you know as a school was going to the SEC I talked to Brian Smith and he told me that they wanted to stay in the Big 12 in wrestling but that it's exactly what you said where all the schools vote even the schools that don't have wrestling and so like Kansas and Kansas State were ticked off so they voted against it and he goes the schools that have us in that, that we're in with they want us to stay but the other schools are going to vote it against it like, so like the Texases and all those other schools it have nothing to do with wrestling, and there was more of them than there were of the wrestling schools. So, you know, that's, you know, so we, your explanation, along with that conversation I had with uh, Coach Smith, makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, 
I mean, obviously we wish Boise hadn't gone, but if they were going to do it, the timing makes it even worse because not only did they hose the kids at Boise, they hosed the whole conference. So that's, you know, that's obviously a double whammy. Yeah, it puts a little bit of strain on everybody out there. You look at uh, Oregon State up there in the Pacific Northwest where the tournament was this weekend, and, you know, they're off on an island all by themselves up there in that region of the country now. And, you know, you hear different coaches from all over the country talk about what a challenge it is to get dual meets scheduled, get teams to come wrestle them in their home arenas. You know, we've heard, uh, uh, you know, Doug Schwab talk about it. We've heard, uh, you know, Zeke Jones was telling me that it's one of the challenges that they have uh, at Arizona State is getting um, teams to come down and compete against them down there in, in Tempe. And, and uh, same thing with Oregon State. I mean, you, you talk about the travel costs associated with getting up to uh, Corvallis. It makes it hard. And, uh, you know, it's not like you can knock out, uh, you know, what, what we saw in the past, a lot of schools would come in and wrestle Northern Iowa, and they'd also hit Iowa State on a, on a weekend road trip on a Friday, Sunday. And it's not like uh, that there's a simple, uh, you know, like, like you fly into Portland and you, you hit Oregon, Oregon State like you maybe could have back you know, 20 years ago. So makes it a little more challenging. And, uh, well, certainly uh, Cal Baptist coming in is going to add another program out there. Uh, you wonder about the, the possibility of, you know, can, can the people in Boise, can they rally the troops and, and get wrestling back in Boise? You know, I think the long, yeah, of Hopefully. course, the long, longer it's gone, the harder it is to come back, right? Your toothpaste in the tube now makes a lot of sense yeah i mean yeah it's it's and we all want to be optimistic but re, you know being realistic has to play a role in there too at some point agreed yep well david uh let's before we get too far down the road let's uh take a look at the track wrestling rankings and before we do so we need to give a word to our sponsors from resolite this podcast is sponsored by resolite sports products your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint Mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, very few changes in the top 10 this week, or actually throughout the track wrestling Rankings presented by Resolite, but we're going to take a run through the team rankings. Top eight teams all remain the same this week. Penn State checking in at number one once again, 115 points projected advancement and placement points for the NCAA championships. Number two, Ohio State at 110, Iowa in third at 80, Missouri in fourth at 76, Michigan in fifth at 74 and a half. Number six, North Carolina State, 54 and a half. Lehigh comes in seventh at 49. Oklahoma State comes in eighth at 44. Virginia Tech up to ninth at 39. Arizona State in at 10th at 38, followed by Cornell at 37 and a half. Wyoming at 37. Rutgers at 32 and a half. Illinois, 29 and a half. And South Dakota State rounds out the top 15 at 28 points. David, let's take a run through the individual rankings and things that changed there. But first, why don't you give a word to our sponsors from Fantasy Grade? Right. FantasyGrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge 
Want to know if you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to fantasygrade.com, enter the live event on Wednesday, March 14th, which is only a couple weeks away, online or both. Prove your knowledge and support amateur wrestling at the same time. Go to fantasygrade.com today and enjoy wrestling even more. And, and as you said, it, it was kind of weird. I, you know, I was watching the brackets results, you know, and trying to just get them done as soon as we could. There were really minor, like a half a point here, half a point there, guys moving. Uh, Bresser and Milhoff flip-flopped. Uh, Paul Fox losing, you know, affected uh, Stanford slightly. But the main change was at heavyweight, or 285, where uh, Tanner Hall dropped out of the top eight and Amar Desi moved up into the top eight. Arizona State lost four points, but three and a half of those were there. Oregon State gained four and a half points, and three and a half of their gain was there. So Arizona State won the tournament, had the most qualifiers, I think had the most champions, but still lost points. And that's just another example of why tournaments and big points are really what matters. Um, another thing is whose automatic qualifier bids got stolen. Penn Gilly at 133 from Stanford stole the nickel from Cal State Bakersfield uh, bid or berth. Colt Schilling uh, got it from Russell Rolfing at 141, and Willits got it from Coleman Hammond at 157. So Cal State Bakersfield, in that sense, really had the worst tournament because they had, you know, three guys that are now going to have to hope that the favorites win or they're going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to, uh, you know, getting bids to nationals. So, I mean, that I want to say that's a highlight because it's not a highlight, but that's the main, I think, takeaway in terms of the rankings. And obviously, you know, whether we discuss it in the rankings portion or somewhat else, all the pre-seeds came out for most of the major conferences. Uh, and, you know, if we want to, we can talk about how our PI works and stuff like that. But those were the main highlights it was the easiest week of the year to do the rankings about six weights didn't change at all well let's uh let's talk a little bit more about pac 12 before we move on any other major takeaways for you from that tournament what you saw uh well i think a lot of yeah i mean i think josh shields is really underrated yeah. i mean that's a weird weight right we don't know what's going to happen where, where nolf is going to be and his health and all that but he feels like a guy that could make it into the finals it's really a weird weight this year. Like Joey Lavalley's a runner up and nobody's really talking about him. Hayden Heidley's an undefeated freshman and no one's really talking about him. I mean, it just feels like a weight that's kind of, and, and deservedly so everybody thought, okay, it's Nolf and everybody else. So since, you know, Nolf went on the shelf, people just started focusing on other stories and there's, there are really interesting stories. You know, 125, 165, the chaos at 141, the absolute chaos at 197. And it just feels like 57 hasn't had a lot of talk about it. Uh, I think Arizona State's kind of sneaky good in that like Tanner Hall and Milhoff in all likelihood will not get top eight seeds, but they're guys that are returning All-Americans and easily could. And I think the same thing with Sertzis. Yeah, He's not going to probably get a top eight seed. They have three guys that, you know, seed-wise, maybe are scoring one and a half, two points. You know, but if you told me those three guys, are they going to score a combined six points, and you set that, you know, as the over-under, I would go over with those three combined all day. So it feels like they can do better. That, that was kind of the main takeaway. And then 
Um, I know a little bit about Cordell Norfleet and him winning that weight, I think is very good for the future of Arizona state, just to get him to the show as a true freshman. He's a little one dimensional right now, but what he's good at, he's really good at. And, you know, if he, he might be a guy that beats somebody who's seated, you know, on the backside that doesn't have time to prepare for him because his, what he's, his strengths are really kind of scary. And I know you got a chance to see that up front. He's a super athletic kid with some really specialized skills in a few positions. Yeah, we uh, we had a chance to see him uh, at the Indiana Mat Hoosier preseason open and the Michigan Grappler Fall Classic in the fall leading up to his senior year in high school. And you know, it was my first uh, first real introduction to him was watching him in those those tournaments, and he dominated both of those tournaments and. So then I start, you know, digging up a little bit more on him to to find out what he's all about, and uh, I think, you know, a couple of people had him ranked like twentieth in the country, and I'm like, there's no way that there are 19 dudes better than this guy at 182 pounds nationally, and you know, just a guy that kind of blew up late in the process. He he told me over the weekend that that uh, like, you know, North Dakota State, Northern Iowa were on him early, and a bunch, you know, Illinois I think was kind of on him a little bit too. And then a bunch of schools kind of came in late in the process as they, they uh, learned more about him and, you know, just had a terrific senior season and, and uh, Arizona state got on him late and, and uh, got him down to Tempe, but uh, yeah, just a, you know, a fun personality, a, a really good student I'm told. And uh, you know, the wrestling uh, potential is, is pretty the ceiling's pretty high i think i think with cordell and and a uh, guy that uh seems to be wrestling with a lot of confidence right now but uh yeah he's he's gonna to to your point i think i think getting him in the show is big for for his future and uh and for arizona state as well because right. i think i think uh you know his certainly his best days are are yet to come yeah, they're expecting big things from him. And, you know, that way graduates Brenda and I think a couple other guys there that will end up placing this year. You know, like at least top eight ranked guys like an Abinader and people like that. So I think they expect him to make that jump after this season. Yeah, he was so, up. Uh, yeah. yeah, Cordell talked about, uh, you know, the, the adjustment that comes with, with being a true freshman, making that adjustment to college wrestling. He talked about uh, having to, you know, stay focused every second out there. He was up 4-1 on Abinader in the uh in his first match this yeah. year and then got reversed or got taken to his back and ends up losing the match but uh yeah so anyway anything else on pack 12s before we move on david no sir all right well let's uh before we move out of the rankings portion close it out we better uh Give another shout to our sponsors at Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint Mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David... Best time of year, man. March yeah. is right around the corner. Uh, one qualifier in the books. We've already talked about the Pac-12s. we got seven more to come this weekend. Where do you want to dive in on what's ahead for this weekend? 
you know, I guess we could, you know, you can start with like the pre-seeds and some of the big tournaments that, you know, that might lead to some discussion of, you know, maybe matchups of and how RPI and some of those things work. I mean, I'll, I'll follow your lead, boss, whatever you think is the most interesting thing to talk about. Well, let's go with, with pre-seeds and, and certainly no uh, conference. There was more intrigue about who was going to be where at some of these weights than, than the Big Ten. Yeah, I have them here. So, um, Big Ten, I, and I'm not going to read them one through eight. I'm just talking about matchups. So, if the seeds hold, the quarterfinals at 25, Suriano versus Matten and Sebastian Rivera Lezak. That's the 1 8 and the 4 5. Bottom half, Spencer Lee, Rayvon Foley, Nathan Tomasello, Luke Welch. If the seeds held, Suriano versus Rivera, Spencer Lee versus Tomasello. It's been a lot of mystery about what's going on with Suriano, so it'll be interesting to see if he can you know, come off whatever thing is holding, you know, kept him out and he can bounce back to uh, top form because the seeding of nationals is going to be, it feels like if, uh, if Darian Cruz wins the IWA, the only other guy that could possibly get the number one seed would be Suriano, you know, because Spencer Lee has a loss and Tomasello has a loss. And if one of those guys beat Suriano, then it feels like Cruz would definitely be the number one seed. And those four guys feel like they're sort of a level above everybody else. And it seems like those, it would be super matchup driven. Like depending on who's the one and the four, I don't know that the four would be a big underdog and two versus three. And then you got a guy like Lee Zach waiting in the laying in the weeds, you know, and we'll get to some of the other conferences, but is that kind of how you see, you know, the big, the, you know, the, the big picture here at 25? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I, it's it's pretty interesting when you get a uh, some of the stuff just just looking at some of these precedes too and we'll we'll get into other weights but uh, Lee Zach returning NCAA finalist five seed um, right you know Snyder pound for pound number one guy in the world number two seed in the Big Ten you know Logan Massa the guy that yeah. uh, we're gonna get to sixty five yeah sixty five is insane yeah so yeah, absolutely crazy yep yeah so let's move on. So, th- 33, Misik 1, Ben Thornton 8, and Jay Renneria, Scott Del Vecchio rematch. That's the 4-5. The bottom half of the bracket, Luke Fletcher, Dylan Duncan, 2-7, Mitch McKee, Corey Keener, 3-6 of the seeds held to be Misik, Renneria, which was a big win for Misik, and Fletcher, McKee, and they haven't wrestled. So um, if McKee could upset the apple carts there, that would really change seeding at Nationals. Misik's been an absolute tear, as we talked about. So it feels like his win over Pletcher was really dominant. And if he has to go through Thornton and Renneria to get to the finals, if he wrestles the way he has been, it feels like he should he should get there fairly easily. So looking ahead uh, to forty one. Yep. On, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying. Let's yeah. Let's look ahead to forty one and and uh, McKenna Lee and company there. Yeah, 41, McKenna and Stickley are the 1-8. Chad Red, Limix is the 4-5. So, you know, potentially a Chad Red, McKenna semi, which is real interesting, I think. Nick Lee, Cole Weaver, the 2-7. Michael Carr, Tommy Thorne, 3-6. Tommy Thorne and Jake Short, along with B.J. Claggin and maybe Kennedy Monday, might be the four hardest guys to rank this year. Just really good wins and crazy losses, but... I think if you're Julian McKenna, you have to be happy that Tommy Thorne's on the bottom half of the bracket. I mean, he avoids Lee, 
and he avoids Thorne. Not that he didn't do well against Lee, but I think those feel like those are the two most dangerous guys to him. Um, is that how you see it? Yeah, uh, Thorne certainly uh, put it on him in the dual meet and pinned him in last year's tournament, and uh, it's probably the you know the guy in there that. Uh, you know, you look look further down the bracket outside of Nick Lee. You look at the guys that that uh, have the best chance to to knock off McKenna, and Tommy Thorne's probably right at the top of your list, right? Right, and they need McKenna to win the conference because when we talk about these other conferences, or maybe next week when we talk about overall, he, he needs to win that because that's going to dramatically affect his seeding if he does or does not, for sure. So. 49, Zane's obviously the one. He would wrestle the winner of Malik Amin and, or Steve Blyze. Uh, the 4-5 is McChrystal, Keyshawn Hayes. The 2-7 is Sorensen, Baby J. Bannister. And the 3-6 is Deacon DeLuca. So if the seeds held, you'd have Zane against McChrystal or Hayes. It feels like that's kind of a toss-up match. And then Sorensen, Deacon. Sorensen, Sorensen excuse me, has been so consistent in his career. But Deacon wrestled him really well, a Carver and lost on a headgear pull in overtime, so that would be an interesting match, I think. So, 57 is one I really want to talk to you about. Kemmer and Nolf are tied for first. I don't know how they're going to break that tie. Um, the guy who gets it would get Van Brill, and the guy that doesn't would get Jake Short. Pantaleo and Crone are the 3-6, and Micah Jordan Berger are the 4-5s, so this is one of a couple weights where it feels like there's some can't miss miss quarterfinal matches, especially when you're talking about Micah Jordan and Tyler Berger in a four or five. How do you think they're going to sort out who's the one seed here? Coach vote. Probably. I think right, that's, but that's where it is right now. It's, it's seven and seven. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how they got to this point. So what do you think they'll revote? Well, I, I don't know that. Yeah. It, yeah. You're probably right. It probably is seven and seven, but uh, yeah, I, I, I I don't know when all things are, are equal if they've, you know, this is where they need a 15th team, right? <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> yeah. 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 And somebody asked me, do they, do you, do I think Nolf will wrestle? And I think there's three options. He's really hurt. He's not going to wrestle. He's a lot better, but he's not a hundred percent. He's not going to wrestle. He's a hundred percent. I still don't think he wrestles. I think Penn State has proven that they don't have to wrestle a ton of matches to get these kids ready to peak at the right time. And I think if Nolf is ready, if he's 100%, he's going to probably win the bracket no matter what in, in two and a half weeks. Why would you take a chance on him getting injured? You don't really care where you get drawn into the bracket. So obviously those guys are smarter than I am, but I would be, I would be really surprised borderline shocked if he wrestles this weekend i don't see any upside for him and i see a lot of downside even if he's at 95 percent. you know i mean he can go wrestle with david taylor he can go wrestle with you know a bunch of guys in the room he doesn't need to get those matches so i think i would be really surprised if we see him and then if we don't see him the way it works then is he would take you know he would step on the mat for a second take a loss then he can injury default on the back but he'll have two official losses on his record against the seven seed or the, the winner of the seven ten match, and then against uh, Rutgers. 
So then it gets really interesting where he'd be seated at Nationals. I don't think he could get seated higher than four, assuming Heidley wins the ACC, assuming Kemmer wins the Big Ten, and assuming Lavallee wins the MAC. I think those guys, Heidley, Kemmer, feel like a coin flip for one-two. Lavallee would be three, and then I think the highest uh, Nolf could be would be the four. And then I think it would really stink if he's healthy and you're the one that you get in, in the semifinals, and that'd be a lousy draw. So, Is there anything like more on... intriguing to you than what happens to Jason Nolf in March? Right now, I mean, I, I, I can't think of anything that I'm more curious about right now in March, going into March, than, than Jason Nolf. I think, it try, I think it completely, if he's one way, it completely decides the team race, in my opinion. Like, if you add 25 points in for like right now where we are in the rankings, he's got those points, and they're ahead, and then if you add bonus, they're really ahead. If you take 20 points out of Penn State, you know, in the rankings, and even more so in reality because he's not going to get 5-2-1 matches, then it becomes a, a big-time race, and I think Ohio State's the slight favorite because I think they can over-wrestle their rankings. I think, you know, Thomas Cello's basement is four. Snyder's basement is two. You know, there's a couple guys like that. Like, I think Bo Jordan's basement is six. I don't see those guys doing, those three guys in particular, doing worse than where we have them ranked. So, I, yeah, I agree with you. There's some individual things that I'm intrigued about, but in terms of team race, I think that is the number one thing. I don't even think it's close. I think you're, you're dead on the nuts right on that one. Yeah. So, you go to 65. Imar got the one. We talked about that last week. You know, they could have gone either way. He's going to wrestle the winner of Isaiah Tayshawn Campbell in the 8-9. The 4-5 is Richie Lewis, Evan Wick. Then you have Marinelli Massa, which is just a brutal quarterfinal for being an undefeated freshman. And then Vincenzo wrestles Wanzek. I guess the seeds could hold here. I mean, it feels like it would, but, I mean, there's so many good guys in this weight, but if they hold... Imar Richie Lewis, which didn't happen because uh, I think Richie was sick for the duel, and then Marinelli Joseph Part Two. So, how do you see that playing out? Who do you think? Who would you, you know, if you had to, you know, better play the chicken wings and who's going to win the Big Ten at this way? Who would you? Who are you leaning towards? I don't know. I don't know. That's I haven't given it a, a, a ton of thought. Uh, I know. You know, you're looking at Imar coming into this tournament, three-time champ, two career losses. Uh, Marinelli comes yeah. in, like, super hard to score on right now. Uh, Joseph, you know, boy, he looked he looked dynamite up until that, uh, you know, until he got tried that inside trip against Marinelli, right? Um, he I, looked the, great the whole match besides that scramble. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he just didn't look good for about 45 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh one, yeah, you bring up a point, Massa, sitting there at the seven seed. Isaiah White and Tashawn Campbell is an 8-9. <laughs> Just to get into the quarters. I mean, both those guys have been ranked in the top ten this season. Right. That weight is silly deep, right? Yeah. It's crazy. So, 74, Mark Hall's the one, Christensen's the eight, Dylan Leidy's the four, Johnny Sebastian's the five. Bo Jordan is the two because he has common opponents over – Miles Amin, and they had split. So Jordan's the two, Gunther's the seven, 
Amin's the three, Scats is the six. If seeds hold, Hall, Lighty in the semis, which really points to Hall. Bo Jordan, Miles Amin rematch. Feels like a toss-up. Bo Jordan feels like the one guy besides Zahid that can at least wrestle Mark Hall close. And uh, I think that could upset the apple cart because most of us have Zahid ranked one, but there's a very real possibility Mark Hall's going to get the number one seed at Nationals, assuming he can win the Big Tens. So I think that's an interesting thing to look at, don't you? Yeah, but, boy, I tell you, the, the schedule that Zahid wrestled this season, yeah, especially early. Stupid good. Yeah, ridiculous. He's got a pretty strong case for himself. Especially you take la- you, you know you take last year's stuff out of the equation. I know the All Star match technically doesn't count, but you take uh, last year out of the equation and you put their their bodies of work next to each other. And boy, it's it's hard to find anybody that's had a, you know a better body of work than Zahid this year. It's going to come down to coaches vote versus quality wins. I mean, if the coaches vote for Mark Hall, he could get it, but Zahid's going to have more quality wins. Obviously, they both would win the conference. They both have the same winning percentage. So, they, you know, no change in common opponents, so there'd be a push everywhere. But if Hall loses, it, it's, obvi- it's you know, clearly Zahid. So, uh, 84, Bo Nickel, 1, Mitch Bowman, 8, uh, Emery Parker, 4, Gravina, 5. That's an interesting match. Bottom half of the bracket, Miles Martin, 2, Ricky Robertson, 7. And then the 3-6 is Dominic, Dominic Abinader versus Tyler Venz. That feels like a potential upset. Just Venz was really good at a certain part of the year. But if the seeds hold, it's Bo Nickel Parker, which would probably be fireworks for sure. Miles Martin Abinader, that would be another great rematch. Those guys have split. But it feels like it's going to be Nickel Martin part, what would it be, seven? I've lost track at this point. I think, I think, it's I think Bo Nickel's four there. and two against him. Something like that. But, yeah. So, anyway. 97. Kind of a crazy weight. Colin Moore got the one. I think Kassar would have got the one if he'd been the entry. Schultz is the eight. The four or five is Beasley Ritter. Shakur Rashid and Chaconis is the two seven. Cash Wilkie's the three six. If seeds hold, Colin Moore, Beasley. Colin Moore's wrestled really well against him. Rashid, Wilkie, uh so this is going to have a lot to do with the seating at NCAs, uh, you know, because Shakur Rashid doesn't really have a benchmark win and he can't pick up a benchmark top 10 win or top seven win unless he beats Colin Moore. And then at heavyweight, we've got the top four seeds, Kuhn one, Snyder two, Nevels three, Stoll four, Hamida five. The Stoll-Hamida match didn't happen earlier in the year. Uh, but assuming that the seeds hold and you get out to the finals, then you have a rematch of Coon Snyder, which I think everyone is really excited about. I think one of the really interesting things to think about is we talked a couple weeks ago about how uh, Snyder got in and Coon pulled him up. So I think if you're Snyder, one of the things you're going to try to work on is when you get to that ankle, instead of maybe running to the corner, knee sliding, getting your head underneath, knee sliding, and one of the things you hear a lot of top-level coaches talking about is keeping your hands below your head when you have a leg. You keep your hands below your head, you don't get stretched. means your head's coming up. He can split the middle and put Kuhn in that upside-down waterfall position, whatever you want to call it, 
I don't think that that's his strength. And so I think that's going to be really an interesting thing to watch and see if they try to do that. It would be something that I think it would at least be a consideration and a game plan adjustment. So I don't know what you think. I know we both watched the match separately. Uh, you know, we both talked about the coaching staffs on both ends, and it feels like all the world, like this is going to be a trilogy, you know, on Saturday night in Cleveland. And maybe they leave some stuff on, you know, they don't pull out all the whole arsenal, but I do feel like they got to find a way to not get pulled up into those big hips. What do you think? Yeah, I, I we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Right after it, just, you know, the match-to-match adjustments that we're going to see and, and how does Kyle approach it differently uh, this go-round. You know, and, and do we see a, a fresher Kyle Snyder this go-round? Because, you know, we've seen him get on in on that head to the outside and be able to lift guys really high up in the air like he did to Connor Medbury in last year's NCAA Finals and getting in that position against Adam Kuhn, being unable to get him completely off the mat. You, you wonder, like at least the one thing I wondered is, is that a byproduct of just how big and strong and, and heavy that, that Adam Kuhn is? Or, or you know, or, or did we see a little bit of a, uh, a rundown Kyle Snyder after, you know, the month that he went, went, went through leading up to that match? You know, all the travel over to the Uriga and the tough matches he wrestled over there, the travel back, getting on a bus, going out to Penn State, uh, turning around the next weekend wrestling Adam Kuhn. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a lot of fun to cap off a, a really fun weekend in East Lansing with the possibility of another Snyder Kuhn match. Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating for sure. So, um, I guess we can jump over to Big Twelve. I'll just kind of hit a couple highlights. Twenty five Pichininis on the top half of the bracket, bottom half of the bracket. Zeke Moisey would have to beat, in order, probably Jay Schwarm, Taylor Lamont, and Piccinini to win the title. So it's a pretty rough draw for a three seed. 33, Cade Brock rematch versus Bridges in the semi, you know, to get to Seth Gross. And if Cade Brock gets there, will he pick down again? I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, Bryce Meredith and Ian Parker are the 1-4. Heil got the two seed, which is interesting. So he has Albert. Uh, and you know, I don't know how they figure that out. 49 feels like it's going to be a Max Thompson Boo Wallen rematch. 57, not the deepest weight there. Clay Ream and Archie Colgan are the one and two seeds. 65, Wyoming with the number one seed with Ashworth against probably Chandler Rogers, but you have some other ranked guys in there and Demetrius Romero and Andrew Fogarty. Uh, 74, Lujan's the one. Yawante Mejias is the two. Uh, David Kocher's the three. Jacoby Smith's the four. He hasn't wrestled. Jacoby Smith hasn't wrestled since the Daniel Lewis match. It'll be interesting to see if he wrestles or if they, you know, forfeit him out. 84, Drew Foster's the one. Martin Mueller's the two. So, again, not a super deep weight. 97, we've talked about how, uh, I guess, volatile those seedings could be here. So, Preston Weigel's the one. Rodert's the two. Roder could do himself a big favor by, you know, winning this tournament. Uh, and if Weigel wins it, you know, he really, the only guy he technically is behind on criteria too is, is Willie Miklas. So Derek White's the number one seed at heavyweight, definitely not a great weight. Harrington's the two seed there. So 
Um, not, not, not as much depth. Obviously, nobody has the same amount of depth that the Big Ten does. So, are there any uh, matchups over there that kind of jump out to you? Forty-one. You're really interested. Forty-one, undoubtedly. <laughs> what kind of Dean Iowa's Hale do we get? I've never been taken down by him, right? I don't know. I don't think he's ever lost a takedown to Bryce Meredith. They had a higher scoring match at the Big 12s like a year ago, right? Yeah, but he got all the takedowns. Okay. He made a big point in the interview I did. Okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm not like correct. I'm just saying like that was a very, very, he made a point of that. So it was interesting, you know? So, yeah. Yep. Um, Do we see Dean Heil rounding back into the March form of the past three seasons? Or, uh, you know, are we going to see what Dean Heil looked like in January here? It's, it's going to be one if of Dean the compelling, Heil, fascinating. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please finish. I yeah. was just going to say it's going to be one of the compelling storylines for me out of the Big 12 for March. Yeah. And if Dean Heil were to win that match, now the seating at 141 is really crazy. You know, because assuming Ironman and Yanni win their conferences, you know, they probably go to 1-2. Now, how far does Meredith drop? What do you do with an undefeated Brock Zacherl? What do you do with a four-loss Dean Heil? What do you do with a, a one-loss but a weirdly shallow Big Ten Joey McKenna? I mean, just, yeah, it's crazy. So, ACC, only six teams. Um, just to kind of hit, it looks like 25, Louis Hayes, Sean Fawes are the one-two. So that's interesting because we have Foz. Everyone has Foz ranked above him nationally, but Foz got the two seed. 33, Dom Forrest one, Gustafson two, Tariq Wilson three, Jack Mueller four, Zach Sherman five. That's a great weight for only six teams. Uh, 41, Jack Moore, Headley Zanetta. 49, Heilman, Donahue, Lees, Crivis. 57, Hayden Heidley, Mitch Feinsilver, Kennedy Monday, Taylor Bramani. 65 is a story we should probably be watching. David McFadden still undefeated. Andrew Atkinson, Brian Hammond, Jake Wetzel. 74, freshman Hunter Bolin is the one seed. Ethan Ramos, Matt Feinsilver, Daniel Bullard. 84 is a pretty good weight. Zavatsky, Renda, Ness, Greg Harvey. 97, another pretty good weight. Jared Hot. Excuse me, Machiavello, Danny Chade, Kellen Stout, heavyweight, another pretty deep weight. Jacob Casper, Michael Boykin, Corey Daniel, Ryan Solomon, and Andrew Dunn. I don't think I've probably thought about how many guys the ACC has ranked nationally till I see them grouped this way, but it's pretty impressive for a 16 conference. Yeah, it's a pretty high concentration, right? Yeah, like shockingly so. Yeah, the All-Americans per capita is probably going to be pretty high, I would guess, out of the ACC. Yeah, for sure. So, to me, McFadden going undefeated and Heidley going undefeated will probably be the things I pay the most attention to because those will have huge impact on the brackets. I don't know what what do you think you'd be watching besides that stuff. Yeah, 8497, those Virginia Tech-NC State matchups there. Those are yeah, those, those yeah. the possibility of, of rematches there. Those have been a lot of fun this season. Yeah, for sure there. So, well, David, before we wrap this thing up, anything else you want to 
you want to touch upon this week? Uh, I had a chance to do a match yet with Charlie Sheritz and uh, Cornell Robinson. They won the class one and four a state or four. It used to be four. a. am so old uh, state titles here in Missouri. Really interesting talk. Those guys are good friends. Cornell actually wrestled for Charlie's uh, dad and Charlie was an assistant coach and they, they still work a lot together in the off season. The respect those guys have for each other is uh, really impressive. And uh, it was kind of I'm biased because I know those guys and it's Missouri, but I think people will enjoy listening to that. And uh, Charlie senior is uh, it was as old school as it got. And those guys both tell some funny stories about him. He was very uh, much out of the Vince Lombardi uh, makeup mentally and how he communicated with people. So I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you're taking a drive this weekend to one of these tournaments, uh, I think it, you guys would enjoy listening to that. Sounds good. Well, David, thank you, as always, for your time and insight. For sure, man. Looking forward to the weekend. Me too. There's going to be a ton of good wrestling this weekend. We're going to be in East Lansing for the Big Ten Championships. David, you're going to Big 12s, right? I am going down to Tulsa. So um, that's a cool event. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's going to be some great matches for sure. Got a uh, got several top high school state tournaments that are going to be streaming live on track wrestling this weekend as well as the NAIA National Championships. So no shortage of stuff to whet your wrestling appetite this weekend. So... For That'll do it for this week's edition of Weighing In. For David Mirkatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thank you, as always, for giving us the time to tune in for Weighing In. We'll be back next week for a recap of all the conference championships and a look forward to Cleveland.